the local pack has become the most desired spot in the search results page. But how do you get Google to want to list your law firm there? I'm Lee Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media, and this is In Camera Podcast, where you learn how to optimize your Google My Business like a pro. Welcome to In Camera Private Legal Marketing Conversations. Grace, how are you today? Good, how are you, Liel? I'm doing very well, Grace. And Grace, today we're getting ready for another conversation on our SEO special, right? And so, Grace, why don't you introduce our guest and our topic? Uh, please do the honors. So today I have the uh, honor of welcoming one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. That's Nalini Prasad. She is the Chief Strategy Officer at Blue Shark Digital, a digital marketing agency focused on helping small to medium-sized law firms build their business and stand out online. At Blue Shark Digital, Nalini designs and implements cutting-edge strategies across the four fundamental aspects of digital marketing. Sophisticated content creation, creative link building, savvy technical optimization, and community-driven local SEO. Also, she frequently speaks across the country, educating legal audiences on how to best utilize trending SEO techniques to generate quality leads online. If you want to find out more about Blue Shark Digital, please visit blusharkdigital.com. That's B-L-U-S-H-A-R-K-D-I-G-I-T-A-L.com. Nalini, welcome to the In Camera podcast, and thank you so much for joining us on our conversation on local SEO. Thank you, Grace and Lyle. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I obviously really love discussing this, so I'm interested to see where the conversation takes us. Yes, Nalini, and as I was just telling you a moment ago, like every time that we are at a conference, whether it's a trade show, whether it's a legal marketing conference, whether it's another kind of conference, but Wherever you are, you're always kind of the authority for local SEO, always giving insight and latest trends when it comes down to it. So um, it's a real, real honor to have you talk about this particular topic with us. And let's just get us started. What we've been doing, Annalini, here is starting up the conversation, but asking about what are the most common mistakes that you see law firms make when it comes down to uh, local search engine optimization? Yeah, so the biggest and sadly most prevalent issue that I see with SEO in terms of local SEO and your Google My Business is people just completely ignoring it. Um, so a lot of our folks, when they hear about SEO, they're like, oh yeah, that has to do with the website and that has to do with showing up in Google. But sometimes the local Google My Business profile is the forgotten child, right? So they don't even realize that there's this whole business profile that Google just judges you on every single aspect about your business. But you have to do the work of actually creating this profile and nurturing the profile. And so just people not knowing about it, I think is the biggest mistake. Yeah, that seems like a huge problem. Um, I know that we've talked about SEO a couple times, but that's number one from what I've seen being a big mistake is they just don't utilize it, right? Yeah, utilizing it. It's also the fact that they don't even know um, where or how to access it. 
a lot of times people will have their Google My Business verified or claimed because they've worked with a company. But then let's say they leave the company or maybe they had a marketing specialist who set it up for them and then they lost their marketing coordinator, the in-house person. Um, They don't even realize that this is now not being attended to. So kind of teaching people how to even access it. Where do you log in? Things like that. It seems so elementary to a lot of folks, but it's not. It's it's not um, something that just comes naturally to a lawyer, right? You're doing you're worrying about your cases and filing the next brief. But I think them not even knowing how to access it is is one of the biggest issues too. Is allowing other people and trusting other people to do it for you. But what happens when those people are gone? And Nalini, so yes, obviously that sounds like a terrible thing to do, not paying attention to um, your listings. And you said something here that Google actually judges a lot of your business based out of your uh, citations, primarily Google My Business. What kind of judgments can Google make or what kind of information Google is looking at whenever looking at your at your listing as a law firm? Yeah, absolutely. So I like to call the Google My Business profile the heart and soul of your company. Um, essentially, it is the one place that Google's going to go other than your website to say, what's this brand's name? What's their address? What's their phone number? And how are people interacting with them? What other information can I find out from them from this profile? Um, so Google continues to create these new fields. To, gives the businesses the opportunity for them to fill in information about them. Google saying, hey, I want information about you. I want you to tell me um, a little bit about your attorneys. I want me. I want you to post pictures. I want you to get reviews from um, your consumers. Tell me what do your consumers like about you, right? Um, there's you know, questions and answers. There's making sure that people are actually engaging with your profile by clicking on directions to your office or clicking on the button that says website. So while this is your heart and soul of your branding and how Google understands you, you also have this opportunity to connect your Google My Business profile to your website. And when Google's able to put those two together, it uses all the information that you're giving it through this profile as well as information that it collects as it scans the internet and it says, oh, I found this out about your brand. It pulls that information into your Google My Business profile. So sometimes if you've ever looked yourself up and you notice that Google has some huge case you've worked on and all of a sudden it's on your profile, but you're like, I didn't put that there. It's because Google knows all. And so it's kind of stalking you and taking all of that good information about you, all of your PR all of the the good and the bad, right? So if there's bad reviews on Facebook, you'll see on your Google My Business profile, here's the number of Facebook reviews they have. Here's their uh, average score. It's kind of taking all of the information you're giving, but also all of the information that's out there about you and putting it on this profile. Um, And that's why it's the heart and soul. It's the one thing that Google really wants to go off of when it figures out who's going to be in that local three-pack, which I'm sure we'll touch on. Absolutely. Nalini, you, you said something here very wonderful, which is Google starts piling up information on you and starts populating on your listing, which is wonderful. But how do we get there? How do we first set up this listing to be powerful and reassuring enough for Google for then Google want to 
further complement with research and information on you, what would be that first basic setup and optimization that law firms should be making on their listing in order to set themselves on that right track? Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, there's a ton of new fields and a lot of fields to fill in information. But at its core, the most important items is when you first establish this profile, you're actually going to connect it to one of your Gmail accounts, has to be a Gmail. And the first three things that it actually asks you to enter in um, before you can even have this profile is what is the name of your business? So the name of your brand and it you want to use um, if you have a DBA, you can use that, but it needs to be uh, doing business as that is consistent across your website, uh, consistent across the Internet. Right. So you're putting the name that you want Google to associate with you. You have to put your address and you have to put your phone number. Um, for legal address is really important. Sometimes you guys may see some Google My Businesses that don't have an address and you're like, well, how'd that happen? For some service industries, which are not gonna apply to you guys as lawyers, but you know, plumbers or people who are working in a huge service area, they don't have to have a brick and mortar, right? They can put an area that they're working in. But for you, your address is really important. And the way that you actually get this profile verified is you have to say, hey, Google, here's my name, my address, my phone number. Google then sends you a postcard to your brick and mortar to actually verify that you are working there, that your business is there. There's a passcode, a pin on that postcard that you put into the account and then you are verified. From that point forward, all of your consumers can see you on the front end. So those three items are the most important. And once Google understands your name, your address, and your phone number, as it sees more information on the internet that is connected to that exact same name, address, and phone number, it's able to verify that it's your information and pull it into that profile. So yeah, I Google wants to know it's you, right? I mean, it's all about the user, right? So we're trying to make sure that everything is correct. Uh, Google's trying to make sure it, you are indeed there physically. So thinking about that from that perspective, um, I know that you're saying all organizations should do this, right? Now there is legal, right? We're talking about specific to law firms and on the GMB, on the Google My Business page, are there specific features that you would suggest that law firms leverage? Like, I know there's frequently asked questions and some other things like that. What are your recommendations, Nalini? Yeah, absolutely. Good question. So um, there is, there's a feature now where you can put um, products, right? And for law firms, a lot of people are saying, well, my product is that I can take this to court. I can, you know, get you a settlement. But something that we don't think about often is that a lot of law firms do give a free evaluation, a free case evaluation. Um, and that's something that you want to let your people know, especially because other firms don't do that. So under the product section in the back end of your Google My Business, making sure that it is very clear that you do free evaluations is really cool. Um, and that shows up right on the front end. I would say using the appointment feature is uh, pretty good for law firms in particular. And with that, also your hours. So if you have um, a call service, and there's a number of good ones out there, right? We know all the vendors, there's Smith AI, there's, um, you know, Podium has its own little thing now. Um, so does, you know, Ruby, whatever you use, if you use that and you're paying for it, you should be telling Google that you can take calls even after hours, right? So you can say that you do work till nine because that's how long your answering service is going to answer. Um, and you can make sure that after those times that the appointment feature is set so that if someone can't get to you by phone, they can at least set an appointment for that free evaluation, right? So just making yourself be available even when you're not. That makes perfect sense. That's that. Yeah, that's actually very powerful features. And um, Nalini, 
um, another thing I'd like to ask you about is Google My Business posts. Google allows you to create posts very similar to those that you would post on social media platforms. And you can also uh, add calls to actions or use them as events or other kind of formats of posts that you can use. Um, Nalini, do you mind talking a little bit about what's the opportunity in this post and why should law firms consider using this feature? Yeah, I really like that you mentioned that it is very similar to a social post. Um, and this was a very big turning point last summer is when this came out about June. Um, it was a big turning point I mentioned because it was where Google started to say, hey, we're taking this profile that used to just really had your name, address, and phone number, and we're starting to make this truly um, an engagement platform, that we're trying to make this like a social platform. It was the first big feature that Google came out with where it gave you a lot of leverage and leeway as to what the content had to be in that post, right? Like you said, it could have been an event. It could have been a tidbit about one of your lawyers. It could have been about like the dog you adopted last week as the firm. You could get really creative and fun with it. And for each of these posts, you could direct your consumers to a certain page on your website or even not on your website, right? But it allowed people to engage with your brand beyond your homepage to learn more about you. Um, and so that's the very beginning. That was in June when they said, hey, this let's beta test this, guys. If you, you know, some folks got it, some didn't, kind of like on Facebook where um, half of us will see a new look and feel on Facebook. And then a couple months later, after your friends have been talking about it, you see it look weird and you're like, hey, where'd my like button go? That's how Google does their items as well. They roll it out slowly. They let people try it out. And then it kind of hits another um, group. So as people started to do the Google My Business posts, it was very limited to, you know, it was like 75 characters or something very small at first. There were only so many different calls to action you could do. Um, and it expired weekly. So you would have to keep posting. Um, we learned a couple months later that they expanded it to about 750 characters. So now your post could be much longer. You could do a lot more things there, right? Google was like, oh, people like it. Let's keep doing this. Also, Google understood that they could see if the consumer was actually engaging with your business through this. How many people are clicking on this post? What information about your business do people care about? And so one of the biggest things that you know I'll talk about is like a big takeaway too at the end is on the back end of Google My Business, once you learn how to log in and you learn how to add things there, um, there's a, a tab you can click on called Insights and it's Google's local specific analytics. So all of the features that you fill in, all of the data that's being created and accumulated by Google, um, they start to show you that there. And as soon as you start to see data that is being collected by Google about one of the features, that is your indication that, okay, this is a ranking factor. If Google is collecting that information, then Google is using it, right? So in November of last year, about five months after they released the posts, we started to see that they were actually um, writing down and they were doing the numbers for how many people clicked on your posts, how many posts you're actually doing, how often you're doing them. So they're now starting to judge you on that information. Um, and so the biggest reason of why I would say it's important for you to do it and take the 10 minutes you know, to do them is because it's actually a ranking factor at this point. It's While it's one of many, it's still something you could be doing to help yourself. That sounds very powerful. And so, of course, it's one of the things that uh, law firms should be paying attention to and leveraging with. And with that, before we leave this uh, subject, let's just assess. Do we know at this point if it's uh, fine for 
you to replicate your Facebook posts, for instance, on Google My Business? Like, I know a lot of people try to be as efficient as possible. Some people are very particular as to using different platforms to share different kind of points of view and insights to their business. But the reality is that most of people kind of struggle with time and to keep content uh, creation timely so they can actually remain active in these platforms. So is it okay to have uh, same posts uh, from Facebook appear on your Google My Business? So one of the things that, as you say, it is a struggle with the time is that a lot of firms do have more than one Google My Business as well. So if you have three different um, profiles across three different locations, the big question is, you know, can I use the same posts on all three of those? Um, so the short answer of that right now is yes. For long-term planning, is it best practice? I would probably say no. So I would take the extra time to come up with the different um, topics and, and little things and try to keep them, you know, what happened in your firm this week or take a different lawyer and make it their job to come up with something that week, right? So you're sharing the burden. It's not going to take too much time. Or what we do in-house actually is a good tip is kind of think about what you can do that's um, timeless. So if you were talking about an item that has to do with your practice area, it's a tidbit about car accidents or it's a tidbit about DUIs or divorce, right? That could be posted this week or the fourth week of this month. So what we do is we actually map out four posts each month at the beginning of the month. And then it just you take 30 minutes out of your day and you have it done and then you don't have to think about it again, right? And just make a calendar um, event for you to do that. The one thing I will say is that with every single new feature that Google does come out with, they A-B test it. Right. And from the testing, they learn how are people abusing it or how is it working well for them? Um, what do they want people to do? And then you'll start to see guidelines happen. So for posts in particular, um, one of the things that we saw right away was they came out with a content guideline, meaning certain words and phrases were going to get your post uh, deleted right away. And it emails you and it says, hey, we took your post down. An example we learned kind of the hard way um, and not, you know, this is not something that was bad at all was we have criminal lawyers. And so we wrote about sex crimes, right, as one of the types of things. But the word sex is a no-no. <laughs> so, um, you know, the word rape, those types of things, they're going to absolutely, and even drugs. So it was kind of hard to even write about marijuana um, when that's a big hot topic right now. So it, it's very important to kind of look at the guidelines and see what they've said no to but also keeping in mind the example of drugs, right? That's really easy to write a very respectable post with the word drugs in it um, that has to do with your business. And so as they see more and more people writing a normal post, but getting um, suspended for that, like having that, that one post be pulled down, Google will say, oh, okay, maybe it's not that bad. So we'll need to teach our bot that drug in a bad way is what we'll delete, but not the others. So there's definitely guidelines that are happening. And more importantly, just this past two weeks ago, um, there was a huge glitch where when you posted a certain photo, uh, it automatically deleted your post. And it wasn't a bad photo or anything, but certain types of uh, formats were just getting dinged. Um, so Google had to go back and fix that. And then in the process of fixing that item, it looked like there might be other glitches too. So some people are seeing their post show up in the back end as if they did it, but not in the front end. So just keep in mind, if something weird's happening right now, if you try to do this right after this podcast, um, they are fixing some of their glitches. But look up all the guidelines and you'll be you'll be good. Thank you for so many insights, uh, Nalini. And actually, um, it's always reassuring, right, when you are listening on other people that are experiencing similar issues as you. And so that's, that's the thing, right? Every morning when something weird starts happening, you go to the forums and 
you hear people talking about the same the same worries and it resonates and it's always reassuring but uh, some law firms may not necessarily go to the to the SEO forums and uh, check what's happening what's what's the what's the forecast of Google's algorithm or what's happening in terms of uh, glitches and so uh, it's one thing to keep in mind it's not always something that you're doing wrong it's not that your content is wrong is that Google is Google is making internal adjustments in order to be able to better uh, serve your content and that could be one of the reasons. Now, Nalini, one thing that you've mentioned here, very, very powerful, right? Google gives, Google takes. How can we as law firms make sure that we can retain our Google My Business listing, right? There's a lot of almost terror <laughs> stories about people who one day woke up to see their Google My Business listings uh disappear, be suspended. And so how can we prevent from getting there? And what can we do if we actually end up being in that situation? Is there anything to do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the biggest thing that's happening now and since last June, so June was just a big pop in time for Google Local, um, is the people who are waking up and seeing that their Google My Businesses have been suspended, obviously there's something in the Google guidelines that Google said, hey, you're not following the rules. But what we've predominantly been seeing recently is this whole shared office space um, situation where people are uh, essentially trying to optimize in more than one location. So, hey, I'm doing really well here. I'm ranking number one in, um, in D.C., but I want to go into Arlington now and I'm going to get a Google My Business there and I'm going to try to optimize and I'm going to be number one there. So I'm not just getting leads in D.C., but I'm getting leads in Arlington. And also I'm going to do that in Fairfax, another big city in Virginia right across the river. Right. But Google has said, hey, you don't really have offices everywhere. You're just kind of playing the Google game and you're just trying to optimize um, through my Google My Businesses. I don't appreciate that. Right. And so what they started seeing was the trend was that firms saw one firm do that successfully. So then they started doing it. All of a sudden, all these firms have got offices everywhere. But what people were doing to get around costs, right, because obviously it's very expensive to staff a full office um, somewhere else, is they were looking to WeWorks and Regis's, some of these larger shared office and executive suites. And so Google started to catch on to that and, and say, hey, look, you know, we had 2,000 new Google My Businesses be verified this month. That's pretty high. Let's see what's going on. And they're all happening in legal. And then when they looked up those addresses, they were like, hey, these are all kind of in the same buildings. These are all, they don't look like real law firms. And so Google said, okay, if you're doing this, you're going to get suspended. But what they did was they taught their bot to, to basically look up that address. And if that address was associated with a shared office space or an executive office suite, then you automatically got suspended. Um, what Google realized was there's a lot of people out there, like a lot of you listening right now, maybe firms that just started six months ago and you're like, oh yeah, I want to learn about how I can you know, market myself and I can grow my business. But you just started, so you actually are using a Regis office, right? You're still meeting clients there, but it's your home base because a brick and mortar in Miami is ridiculous. A brick and mortar in San Francisco is ridiculous. So all of you folks who were legitimately using Regis and WeWorks, um, you're kind of tainted by the folks who were taking advantage of it. And so what happened last summer was even the good folks were getting suspended. And so you asked, you know, what happens if you are suspended, but you're doing all the right things and you need to, you know, appeal to Google and say, hey, you caught the wrong bad guy. Um, so Google did create an appeals process where, you know, people started to go on the 
the Google chat and call Google and their phones are ringing off the hook. So Google created a form to answer the questions that they need to know about if you really are in that space. And there are five certain photos that you need to take to prove that you're there. Um, but even when you were the good guy, because they had so many people emailing them, they were backlogged. And so unfortunately, while there is a process to appeal it, it does take time. And so your SEO company, you know, just today someone was saying that they were nervous because their SEO company had um, sent the photos and they hadn't heard back for a week or so. And honestly, at the top of the support page right now on Google support, it literally has a banner that says, we're receiving a high volume of questions about suspended listings. If you've appealed for reinstatement, our team is reviewing your appeal as quickly as we can. Thanks for your patience. If Google took the time to make that a banner because they realize it's a problem, I would say don't panic. Don't panic. If you are really there, if you have the photos to prove it, it's going to come back. What sucks is that your Google My Business is not showing to your consumers for those weeks that you're waiting, but it's going to come back. So I would say just Google's on high alert. They're being crazy and they're sweeping wide, but you can appeal it. You will be fine if you're doing the right. That's really scary and good to know at the same time, right? Like you said, um, I guess we know that uh, they're just taking their time on it. And um, if you're doing it right, uh, just hold off and you're going to get it, right? I mean, that's basically what you're saying. I think it's really interesting too, because if if this was a service, right, if you had paid the yellow pages or the phone book to put your ad in there, right, and they forgot to print your ad for two months and you lost a lot of business because of that, there would be some sort of, I apologize, you'll get a month free, right, something like that. Right now, all of these businesses, as, you know, Google has made it so that they become a real part of how you get leads. If your profile's not there anymore for over a month, that's really damaging to a business. And it's upsetting because there's there's no like, oh, I'm sorry. I wish that there was, and that's where the frustration I think comes from, from all the folks that I've heard. So I'd be interested to see if Google does anything in terms of, oh, we suspended this Google My Business wrongfully. I wonder if we give them extra juice or something like that. It would only be fair, but you know, it does suck. It's as a business, you do hurt from it. So I, I hear the cries and the panic and I get it. It is dollars down the drain, but it's also there's nothing you can do at this point, unfortunately. Yeah, and, uh, and as a matter of fact, Nailini, one thing that was even overly more uh, frustrating is one of our clients, um, we work with getting reinstated uh, their listing. And after we've submitted all of the information uh, and Google reviewed, uh, they said, you know what, everything looks legitimate. We're good. We're going we're gonna to go ahead and uh, reactivate the listing. But then they had a technical issue internally and they could not reactivate the listing and it stayed like already authorized like it's good everything's it's, you're legitimate but we still cannot show your listing and it went like that for almost a month yep from the moment they acknowledged that you guys are good there's nothing else that you need to do from our end to prove that you're uh, a, a legitimate business operating at that location nevertheless uh we just cannot get your listing back up we have a technical glitch and we're sorry about it and and that's where it starts that's where it ends like there's nothing there's no other appeal that you can do to that Absolutely. and i think that yeah i think as we're moving um forward in the conversation we're gonna have to also acknowledge why is it so important to diversify but the reality is that really nothing else compares to google right the power that the google my business listing has will hardly match any other directory uh while there are others that are important 
um, not as important as Google My Business. Grace, I know you had one more question about Google My Business, right? Yeah, I, I did. It's a little bit of a different uh, topic in the same vein, right? Um, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, zero-click searches. So I know people look at their analytics and and they see things in zero clicks and they're wondering, what it, what does that mean? Um, can you give us a little insight into that? Yeah, absolutely. And as folks who, if you follow blogs, you're going to start seeing a lot of this because, um, you know, just this morning I saw something come in from Search Engine Journal, but a lot of um, time has been spent on doing some A-B testing for the past month. And so there's a lot of data on this zero click idea. And so what zero click basically means is, Google has become successful at what they were trying to do, meaning that Google wanted to have so much information on the search result page that you could find your answer without having to click into a website and, and click to go somewhere else, right? They could keep you captive forever in their little Google search result page, um, whether that be with snippets that you guys have talked about, if you're listening to other podcasts, um, you know, before this, or um, whether that means that there's like some nice looking information as the search result. So you don't have to click into the website, but you can see like the answer is there. Um, or that your Google My Business is answering that information with the post or whatever that may be. So the zero click is something that makes businesses very nervous because it's not bringing traffic to their site, but it's showing that Google is so powerful that you need to get as much as you possibly can on that search result right? So making sure that you're taking care of your coding and the technical and the back end of your website to make sure that you get everything you possibly can get out there in that first initial view. It is, it's almost like sales. It's like intake, something that you guys can, you know, as lawyers can relate to. If you pick up the phone and you don't wow that person, they're going to hang up the phone and go to the second person, right? And so in the same sense, you're portraying that first initial call as what you show up in that search result. So from the local standpoint, it means making sure a post is there, making sure questions and answers are there, making sure your reviews are really, really good so that when they look at that on the first look, they want to call you up or they want to convert with your brand because most likely they've already made a decision, which is insane. But that's that's basically that zero click is that people can make a decision without even having to click off of the search result page. Um, and so it's really important that you put everything you can there and you make it look pretty. So Nalini, quick question with regards to that. So does that mean that we should be looking at metrics that don't just limit to actual clicks and traffic that gets to your website? Should we actually start considering impressions on the uh, local pack? impressions of your featured snippets is that kind of information is gonna become every time more correlated to the number of business that you're generating new clients new leads coming your way is there gonna be a, a way that we're gonna be able to kind of like connect dots in between all seeing our business being featured more and more and more on the on the search results page and also seeing an increase on calls without us necessarily being able to trace it back by clicks. Yeah, absolutely. That was a, that's a great distinction that you make there. Um, so worth mentioning, just like what you said, it should backs up that fact is that the insights that I mentioned earlier, where it shows the data on the back end of your um, local business, one of the main metrics is impressions. 
it's it does show you the click through for how many people go to your website, how many people have clicked to call you. But it is very true that what they do is they show you um, how many times you just showed up in the search result as a result. Um, and they actually take it a step further and they show you what searches you showed up for. So the queries are listed there as like best law firm in Chattanooga or, you know, um, lawyer, maybe just your name as a branded search. But what you can do is actually go look at those top 10 queries that make you show up in that search result and even try to optimize for those. Because if you're showing for them already, why not try to optimize those words even more and show even more? Because like you said, really, you want to show versus get the click. It's, it's about that first touch and that first view. No, that makes perfect sense. And I think that um, kind of takes us into the next question before we get into our next topic. And that is, why do you feel um, directory citations matter? Yeah. Um, so this one I love because a lot of people will say, well, citations are so like 10 years ago, right? They don't even matter anymore since Google has come out with all these new features and all these new ways to determine how consumers are engaging with you and why you're important, right? People are like, reviews are the most important. And maybe it is, but every little piece counts. And so the way that I like to describe citations is that originally, the way that Google determined who would be in the top three when you looked up something, right, that map pack at the top was based on citations. So it was based on which person, which brand, had the most directory listings that were consistent, that had the exact same name, address, and phone number on the directories as was on your Google My Business listing, right? And so if you were a mess and you changed your phone number or you, you moved offices and you forgot to update your directory listings, back in the day when Google was so was less AI and so machine-oriented, if even, you know, a one number in the phone number was wrong, or if you had a comma in the wrong place, or you put, um, if you had put like PL instead of place, right? Those things would not connect as the exact same on your profile. It would say, oh, this doesn't match exactly, so I can't give you the juice. And if you didn't have that juice, you couldn't be shown. Now, everybody has all these, you know, Google's taught its bots that PL equals place, that AVE is avenue right? That you're allowed to have those little differentiations. But the thing now is if you don't have your citations, you don't even get to come into the game to play. It's like the, the foundation item you have to do in order to even be considered. So think about it that way. And that makes you think, oh, this is pretty important, right? It's not a race of how many you have versus your competitor, but it's a factor of do you have them or not? And so you need to have them and you need to make sure that they are consistent. AVE, can be there instead of Avenue now, but you still need to have generally the same name, the same address and phone number so that it can match it. Nalini, um, since we're in the topic of citations, can you also um, explain a little bit how can you use schema to make sure that your citations align also with what's on your website, yeah. right? And so Google can also see that correlation, which will boost your credibility in terms of how how reliable information about your business is available online. Yeah, absolutely. So while you already verify your address by getting that postcard and going through that whole thing, um, Google still wants to make sure that your website is connected to the right address and they want to 
have a double check, right? Another check on you that your address is correct. Um, and the way that you do this is through schema that you mentioned. So schema, a lot of people realize is for technical for your um, search result to look really pretty. Like you can have frequently asked questions in your result, or you can have a video show up or something like that. That's really cool. But two of the really important aspects for local SEO um, is organization schema. So having the name of your brand be marked up, meaning that you have certain coding in the back end of your About Us page or even in your homepage that says this is your actual brand name and it matches what's on your Google My Business profile. Um, the second one is location markup. So by having your, so whether you do it on your contact page or your footer of your website, the bottom on every page, and we think best practice just personally is the footer. Um, you put that address there exactly as it is on your Google My Business. And then you put that coding on the back end to say, this is my address. And so when the bot reads it, it says, oh, this matches your Google My Business. It's real. Some of the things that we've seen because Google is so hypersensitive right now was actually we had a new client. Um, and so they were getting their Google My Business created for the very first time, right? So we we put the information in there. We prompted the pin. That client started with us at one address with their website, right? And we were in the process of creating their new website. So on their existing website, we did not update their address to the new place they had just moved a week ago. On the Google My Business, we used the new address so they could get the postcard, right? So now we're going to, um, to verify it. We get the postcard and we say, okay, we're going to put in the pin. We put in the pin and it says, you know, verified but suspended. We're like, holy crap, that was quick. <laughs> well, we just like, we just did this. What's going on? And so what ended up happening was Google had a second right then and there check to look at the website that was linked, right? We had to put a website in there for the Google My Business. And they looked at the footer and they saw the address was different than the address we verified. And so right away when it had the bot crawl it, it said, this address does not match this address. We can't verify this. As soon as a day later, we updated the address on their old site, um, it went live and it was fine. So that's to show how quickly in real time Google's actually checking those things. Um, and that's probably happened to other people, but you know, you know, you live and you learn, you figure that out. So really having your website updated as soon as you move, if you're updating your Google My Business is really important. It's a good reminder, right? That a lot of these rules are monitored by bots. And so, you know, a small change will actually uh, be almost immediately recognized. I mean, it's terrifying, right? Going through the process of having to change a location. So because you never know how it's going to backfire. And so as much as you want to uh, prepare, there's always an opportunity for something uh, unexpected to occur. So thanks for sharing that example. Uh, Grace, what else do we have uh, lined up here? So uh, our next topic is um, fairly brief, but I wanted to discuss it because I know it's a big deal right now, and that's on voice search. Um, how do you see voice search influencing local search? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think that voice search with local search is kind of similar to organic search and paid search, right? Um, by being able to understand what people are saying and for Google to understand the words, it's going to be very similar. Uh, the only difference is that it's hyper local. So the way that Google determines a three pack is based on where someone's standing. So when someone's standing somewhere, Google knows your location just by your phone or by your IP address. And so that's the only 
aspect, I think, that's really changed when you're thinking about local versus regular organic for voice search. But the biggest aspect is that you see things like BERT, B-E-R-T, just came out, um, which talks about how Google's AI is becoming so sophisticated that it's able to understand each word and concepts. It's not just we know some synonyms now. Um, So the example that I always give is it's crazy because when you used to say into your phone, you know, or type, um, can I pick up prescriptions for someone, right? You're asking the question of, can you pick it up for another person? Like, are you allowed to by policy, right? But what Google used to show you is results of what time CVS is open. Can you pick up a prescription, right? But since Bert about a, you know, that came out a couple months ago, um, Google is now showing you the policy of the pharmacy. It now understands so much more how that question is being asked, right? And what you're really looking for. So the more specific you can be um, in your content on your website, when you are also kind of including the location. So say you are in DC, the more you can do those long tail keyword pages that have the word DC in it, and that is connected to your, you know, your profile. Maybe you do a post a week with something that has to do with, you know, um, rear end collisions in DC, something that somebody might ask. Instead of people asking for a car accident lawyer now, they may ask for, I got in a rear end collision, what to do, right? They'll be more specific because it's like they're talking to a human on the phone. And so with voice search, you want to make sure that you're doing more specific long tail examples of what people might ask about. And you want to put those on your Google My Business in the form of a question and answer or a post, something like that. So that as people ask real questions, you have that real answer there. Yeah, that's actually uh, um, great insights and a great take on voice search, Nalini. And so one thing that I also think it's very uh, interesting to see as to where Google wants to take all of his uh voice assistant um, utility is to really get their uh, uh, bot to actually complete actions on behalf of the user. And uh, like the next step, which it's already being tested, as a matter of fact, is uh, for uh, the Google Assistant to actually complete actions directly with the business, whether that's booking a consultation or uh, getting some specific information after having talked to the actual business. So uh, what we're seeing now is that um, the Google Assistant is actually calling, like dialing out to businesses and the Google Assistant, like a, a robot is basically talking at the agent on the phone and saying, uh, I would like to book an appointment for this and that, right? And so while I think there are still a lot of glitches to be overcome, until that really becomes uh, very effective and useful, that's really where we're heading. And I think, um, you know, I remember from last year at South by Southwest, uh, one of the things that people uh, were predicting, uh, well, experts on the matter were predicting, was that people were going to start relying very heavily on this technology because every time we're becoming more and more private and less wanting to interact with other humans at times. And so the more that we can get machines to do for us, the more we're going to use it. And so we'll see. Maybe one day we're going to want to book our uh, free consultations through uh, the Google Assistant. So um, until that day comes, why don't we uh, start talking about how is it that we can 
measure results? Like, what are the metrics, Nalini, that we should be looking at whenever we are trying to measure results uh, for local search? And we've talked a little bit about that already. But uh, really, if you're something, or if you're a law firm that's paying a vendor for them to optimize for you specifically for uh, local SEO, what are things that you should be looking at to understand whether this is uh, actually going on the right track? Yeah, absolutely. So the obvious one that everybody kind of thinks about is where was I ranking before I started working with an SEO company in the local pack, right? If you're not in the top three, you click more places and you can see maybe you're number 14. So, you know, after six to eight months when you should see a little bit of movement or eight to 12 months, you start to take a look at that and say, hey, have I gradually been moving up? Am I seven now? Am I four now? Right? That's the obvious one. But something that if you have a marketing um, coordinator or director or someone else, or you even love analytics yourself, something that I would say to look at very quickly is in that insights um, tab in the back end of Google My Business, there are two items. Um, one that I want to caution people of. So there's one that's uh, impressions. And so the, the impressions, what it does is it shows how many times you may have shown up, but on the map view, something that's really, really important to know is that number may look like 30,000 in a month. And you might say, oh, wow, like I, I showed up a lot for that. Um, but what happens with that is it's actually very, um, it's very heightened and it's very dramatized because the way that it actually pulls that data is if I were to look up um, tacos and I clicked into the map view, right? The map view is really big. And so it's going to show me about 20 or 30 taco places in about a three mile radius. Yeah. Every single red dot that's on that map just got an impression. So I may not even have clicked into it. I may not have even considered it. I may not have even read your red dot or seen your red dot, right? But you're getting an impression data count there. And so you need to take that with a grain of salt that it's not your actual number of how many times you're you're being seen right now. Google has realized that that's really terrible and it's not an easy way for them to know who the authority is. So they're working on figuring out how to make that um, better. But the one that you do want to look at is it's called um, discovery. And so it looks like a little pie chart. It's got three colors in there and I don't have it in front of me, but I know for a fact that it, you know, it gives you a nice key and it tells you what those search result impressions are. This impression number is going to be much lower because it is more realistic. These are what the actual queries were typed in to have you show up. But what you want to make sure is happening over time if you are using an SEO company is that your branded search, so when people look up your firm name or your name as an attorney, that's staying similar or, you know, that can grow too. That's fine um, because when people do that, you're going to show up. You should be showing up or something's wrong. Um, but the other color that's in there is non-branded searches. So when people look up personal injury lawyer, divorce lawyer, TUI lawyer, drug lawyer, those keywords that don't have your name at all, but you're showing up, right? If your SEO is working, then you're showing up more often for those keyword terms and you should see that number grow. So if for keyword terms, you're showing up 10% of the time when you start with your company, you want to be showing up 30% of the time, 40% of the time growing. So make sure that that piece of the pie is getting bigger and people are finding you by the services that they need from you. Excellent. Thank you so much, Nalini. 
And I guess um, before we we move on to a different uh, topic, which is selecting an SEO vendor, right? What to look at, uh, the skill sets that's, that one should have. I do want to uh, pick your brain a little bit as to what do you anticipate um, local search to uh, evolve over the next year or so. And when I say local search, I also want you to consider like, the first page of, of of search results in Google, like what would what can we expect for that to transition into? Because I think over the past few years we've seen such a dramatic change, and particularly whether you're looking at it from desktop or from mobile, it's almost two different experiences. And um, I'd like to 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 hear whether you feel that you know. There, you know, the the desktop experience is going to become its own thing, and the mobile experience is going to become its own thing. It's going to be streamlined. What what do you think is going to uh, happen moving forward? So I've been screaming this from a rooftop everywhere that I speak, and I am a gambling person. I do want to put money on it, um, but I think that I just I want to say by December we're going to have a local five pack. I think that they're going to absolutely extend that as they're coming out with all these new features and all these ways to find um, a number of authoritative results, right? They they may want to say, I should give my people some more results, more answers. And because Google has spent so much, it almost seems like more time focusing on developing the Google My Business profile and the local optimization side of things, it seems like why not make that bigger on the search result page and make the organic shorter. And obviously I love organic, um, but I do see that happening. And I also see you know, how we have the snippets happening in organic or how for your paid ads, you can have like, here's a deal that's being run. Here's a click to call phone number. I see us having snippets within the Google My Business three or five pack where maybe um, if you if somebody searches for a car accident lawyer, right, and uh, there's a really good review about them helping settle a car accident case, that the review is going to show up right under their name there where you can click, right? So the idea of saying, um, without having to click into this person's website, I can see a little bit more about them. I know they can handle car accidents. This is a great review. Let me just call them. Again, with the no click, I don't have to go to the website, but I know enough about them within that that three pack. Um, and the reason I think that is because with reviews, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the newest thing is when you click into reviews now, there's a filter. And Google has taken every word that has been mentioned more than three times in the reviews, and it has created a filter at the top. So now some of the words are like um, respectable, understanding, car wreck lawyer. And if you click on it, you can see all the reviews that actually use those words. So it seems like first step is to be able to organize them. Second step is to pull that into the search result. Um, so those are kind of things that I, I just feel like they're going to happen based on what they've done in the past. And I do think local will get bigger by the end of this year, not even by next year. So when you, when you say that um, you think that the local pack will grow to be five, you mean five organic results plus the paid, the paid uh, uh, listing there. Yeah, Correct. well, that so that's pretty much like that's over the it, particularly on a mobile device that that's not many yeah, scrolls. That, yeah, yep. that's already including scrolling, and so yep. it it really speaks for uh, you know where the future of um, search engine optimization is heading, right? It's very um, 
very interesting to see how how all this is gonna gonna evolve. Well, thank you so much, Nalini. That's uh, quite visionary from your from your standpoint. And so maybe towards the end of the year, we should call you back. So I we know. Can, I so we can actually have that that conversation. I, okay, Nalini. I want to come here, back. Yes, I want to <laughs> come back to this because I, if it happens. I'm telling you, I said it yes. first and it was set on It Netflix. was set on in camera podcast first by Nalili from Blue Shark Digital yeah. Guys. And I have a comment about that, actually. So from the very beginning, I've always told people, when you write reviews, write a real review, right? And a part of that is mentioning, obviously, with the idea that this is a law firm and you're being represented for legal reasons, right? You don't want to tell people, oh, I slipped and fall, you know, fell in <laughs> Walmart or whatever. Um, yeah. But you know, they took care of me when I fell down, you know, things like that. Those are the types of reviews that I request and always have, you know, whether I worked at Target or wherever I worked, I said, you know, can you mention the product? If you can, can you mention your experience with it? And whoever it is, even the name of the person in this case would be an attorney, right? Where you would say this, this attorney really helped me out. So and so and so on uh, um, with a case that I had uh, about a slip and fall. There you go. Mm. And there's your, th your, to your point, Nalini, about pulling out the words. There's the word. Yep. And so when somebody looks up slip and fall, that's going to be a really good review that they'll want to show and easily know that they can show. Exactly. Great. Yep. Very, very good point, Grace, there. And so, Nalini, as we were mentioning, uh, on selecting local SEO vendor, what are what are the skill sets what, that we should be looking at? Yeah, I think that if you're interviewing people for local specifically, um, I think one, making sure that they're knowledgeable and not just knowledgeable on what's happened in the past, but how knowledgeable are they on what's happening right now? Because it is such a volatile um, aspect of SEO where it's always changing. If you haven't read about what happened last month, you're already two months behind. Right. So I would say people who can have an educated conversation with you about what they think they're going to do in the future for your accounts. Right. Has a strategy and is thinking ahead. Um, someone who has who has, uh, you know, essentially you want proof of concept. So someone who has the experience working with a number of Google My Businesses. So I would say, hey, you know, how many well, same thing as people ask us all. How many websites do you manage? Well, how many Google My Businesses do you manage? Right. And you want to be at large enough so that you've had things happen to you, like I said, where we tried to verify it and we figured out right away the website had the wrong phone number. You want to be able to have had those those goods and those bads and have learned from things and know what to do. Um, so I do think making sure that they know what's going on right now and in the future and that they have the experience with it. Those are going to be the two biggest things. And if there's one other, which this is like finding the right, right, right person and you get lucky. Um, if the company has, if the company is somebody that's in touch with Google, you'd like done. That's it. Uh, they have the back door to Google. You're great. But if not, then having a company that's not afraid to say, hey, we do have a contractor who does SEO that knows Google, because if we can't handle it in house, we have someone that we can escalate it to that's not Google support. So knowing what their connection is to Google is also very good. Very, very true, right? I'm very, very point. Yeah, yeah, just very, yeah, exactly, right, Leo? I mean, well, you, you, do you remember my last setup on the on the like I actually created a whole banner that says "We'll we're Google partners" and just put it right there on the front, right. like before yep. anything, our name or anything, because it's really it's so important, right? I mean, yep. like what are w there are certain times like when things, as we were talking, like, we've mentioned it so many times during this episode, like there's 
Google is not a perfect machine, like things break. And so how do you make sure that you get, first of all, the reassurance that things from your end are okay, right? And then that you're actually talking to the right people to get to the point where things are going to get fixed for you. Because the, the reality is that, you know, those who are pushing, those who have the connections, those who are following up on things and have direct access are going to see faster results than those who are just sitting and waiting. And that's why it's so important, right? Like, per, per, particularly with us that we handle a lot, a lot of pay-per-click, like, I really dare people to ask, like, when was the last time that they've actually gotten refound on a click that they think that it's unlegitimate? And most of people, they'll tell you, well, Neville, I, I didn't even know that you can dispute that. Well, you can, but it depends as to how, you know, how much of a connection do you have to the actual organization and insights you have as to how to manage that kind of a situation. So, yeah, very, very uh, good, good point. So I think we've covered just about all of it, but I want to bring it home, right, with our little uh, takeaways here. Um, and I do want to mention something that... Um, I don't know if you've touched on or not, but it has to do with the local guides. So I'm actually a, a local guide, uh, set level seven. So I've been invited to the event that's going to take place. In, oh, very yeah. nice. Look at so, you. I mean, I have to apply, obviously. You have to make a video, all this crazy stuff. But yeah. so if you have somebody on your staff that's a local guide, try to take advantage, you know, if you can, um, tell me if I'm wrong, Nalini, it's just something that I, I know I get a lot of perks because I'm a local guide. I utilize that on behalf of Persist and Jacobino and Lake and basically everyone I work for, you know? So, I mean, do you have any comments about that before I ask you my last question? Absolutely. What you said, I can't echo that enough to take advantage because, um, you know, a lot of times when there is spammy competitors out there, especially if you're an SEO agency, having someone who is a level, high level um, Google guide who has the trust factor from Google already. If you go there and you say, hey, this person who says DC personal injury car wreck lawyer um, as their name, and you go there and you suggest an edit and you say, this is not their real name. It's actually Bob Smith Law Firm. Um, your account is going to carry more weight than an average Joe who is not a local guide. So it does have perks for when you want to get something on a competitor's change because they're actually being spammy. It also helps if you ever have any issues with your Google My Business to be able to wave that badge and say, hey, look, I'm one of you. Um, let me let me through. Like, I'm not a crazy person. So absolutely. And you know what? It's kind of fun to become a local guide. Um, I want to throw a question at you. But like, basically, you know, you get points for adding photos, get points for suggesting things and catching spammy things or from like reviewing people. So um, how did you kind of get there? Is it just doing a lot of reviews or where was most of your points from? So it's a combination, actually. Um, I, I visit a lot of food places. Yes. I love food. <laughs> and every time I went, I would take a picture of my food, of the location, of the outside, and I'd even take videos, you know, because yeah. um, you can post the videos along with it all together. And I would get, um, you know, very in-depth reviews, not just like, you know, a sentence. It'd be 100, 300 word reviews. And you know, for every one of them, they give me a, a additional points. And so I'd get, you know, one after the other. And again, I travel to a lot of places yep. <laughs> and I eat a lot of food. So that's mainly where it came from. Oh, and I got a lot of really good points for missing places. 
So if like there's a location around you that you're able to say, okay, uh, Google says, I don't know what this is or where it is. And you go there and you say, okay, I know what this is. And you put the name and you even take a picture of the that space that's there or the location. And you add that, that gives you even more points than pretty much anything else. Yeah. So that's good if you've never been right a Google My Business listing, you just started and you have somebody that's a Google guide that says, okay, this law firm is a missing place. Well, guess what? You can go put that as the missing place and Google will now thank you for that because you said this law firm is truly here. You have a picture of it and the name of it. And you're doing yourself a favor. You're doing the law firm a favor, especially if you are a Google guide. Yeah, absolutely. No, and that's really cool and really important too. Yeah. So that brings me to my last question. All right, let's bring it home here, Nalini. So for law firms that are actually managing their local SEO strategy in-house, which you know, I think we can suggest at the beginning, but maybe as you get bigger, you really should have somebody that helps you and is an expert, but let's leave that aside. What are three things that an in-house SEO firm that they're handling in-house, what are three things they can do that will actually make an impact on their local SEO strategy? Yeah. So I'm actually, we kept this for last, but I'm going to actually give some really cool, actually how you do it tip. Um, so everybody will say, you know, Fill in all the fields. And that one, I'm just going to leave at that. Fill in every field that is on the back end. Um, there is one in particular. There are two. One, primary category. That's really important. Google keeps coming out with new, newer categories. So before there didn't used to be um, denials insurance lawyer. That exists now, right? Um, very niche things are coming out. Make sure that your niche your niche practice area is... Um, isn't there. If you're doing like personal injury lawyer, that's fine. But if your niche item is there, go ahead and put it there because you're going to be more specific to Google. They're going to know more about what you do, right? So your primary category, really important. Um, the date established. If you've been a firm or you've been barred for the longest time, putting the date that you were barred or the date that your firm was established is going to help you right away over those people who have just graduated law school and they're playing the SEO game. So those two, make sure they're filled in, but everything, fill them in. That's tip one. Tip two, um, reviews. Everybody knows you need to do them, but there is actually something called B-Day, B-D-A-Y. Um, oh, shoot. What is it called? <laughs> B-Day Bud. There you go. So B-D-A-Y-B-U-D.com, B-Day And what it does is it automates sending birthday wishes to people. And I would say take your list of existing clients and past clients and actually put their date of birth in there and have something shoot out to them that says, you know, it was great working with you, blah, blah, blah. But then one little line that says, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review, I'd really appreciate it. The fact that you're remembering them a year after you've talked to them or, you know, how long it's been, they're going to be like, oh, shit, this guy remembers me. That's great. Or this woman remembers me, right? They're already happy with you. If they can click on that link and it takes them right to where they, they just click a star number and write some words, you make it dummy proof and easy for them, you're likely to get a few reviews out of that. So get reviews um, and try to use that. Set that up so easy to get an intern or you know a marketing associate to do that for you. And the last one is kind of really brand new and very cool. Um, Google, just like we talked about, it's becoming more of a social platform. Um, it's really starting to keep track of how many photos are posted and who's posting them and where are they posted? So what I would urge you to do is if you Google geotag photo for Google My Business, 
you will find the one tool that everyone is using. But you basically can upload a photo, type in a city, and it will actually embed the latitude and longitude of the city in that photo. So when the bot crawls that photo on your Google My Business profile, it will see that that photo was taken in Denver or in DC or wherever. And the more photos you have uploaded that have that geo tag, that latitude and longitude, the more likely you are to rank in that city. So take all the photos that you have, put them through that program, geo tag them and upload them back to your site. Um, it's really important because Google is going to start really considering those photos. And that's something you can get ahead of people right now since people aren't doing it. That's such a good tip. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go download it right now, right? <laughs> yeah, and I can't, it's like imager.com. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but if you Google it, it'll be the first thing that pops up. Right. That's actually great. And uh, okay. obviously photos taken from your yep. mobile devices most of times yep. include that information. And and that's that that kind of like goes in line with what uh, Google is uh, every time relying more is on information um, gathered through mobile data. And I think this is a really good tip, uh, Nalini, taking your existing photos and marking them tab with coordinates. That's uh, cool. Grace, well, I think we've reached the end of this conversation. Again, Nalini, thank you so much for filling this conversation with valuable examples and uh, you know, ama amazing perspective and predictions for the future of uh, Google search. So uh, we will definitely have a follow-up to this conversation and invite you back to see whether those uh, predictions that you've had uh, uh, came to fruition or, or uh, what's, uh, what's, what's headed for us when it comes down to local search. I just want to thank you again for making the time talking to us. We know we're very, you're very busy. Um, and so uh, we hope that we get to welcome you back to our uh, conversation on legal marketing sometime soon. Yeah, I very much appreciate the time you guys have um, allowed me to speak here. And it's always fun speaking with both of you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Nalini. Well, Grace, um, another great and successful conversation on SEO. I think, you know, talking to Nalini is always just like super exciting. She knows so much and she's so passionate about it, right? Like so much fun. Yeah. And I, I mean, probably if this conversation would have gone on for another 30 minutes, we would have taken out many more insights that could have uh, helped. But I think we've got some very, very good and actionable uh, substance out of this conversation, Grace. So why don't we recap what are those takeaways that are actionable and that really anyone can go and implement like almost right away? So I think what I took from all of this, and uh, you correct me if I'm wrong, or just add to it, right? Um, local search SEO um, is primarily Google My Business, right? So I think we can just cover a couple of the best practices involved in the Google My Business based on what Nalini told us. What do you think? 100% agreed, right? And yeah. I think the only thing that Nalini said is kind of like your entry ticket to the local search uh, game is your citations. That's right. So, Make sure it's listed correctly all the way across yeah. the board. So while we're going to be spending more time talking about how to optimize your Google My Business listing, it is still very, very important that your name, address, and telephone number is consistently listed across all the citations that are relevant for local search. 
In the past, we have mentioned tools that will help you do so, whether it's most local, whether it's Yext, uh, whether you want to pay a service like Bright Local to do it for you, or if you ha are working with an agency, most likely they will be taking care of that for you. But it's extremely important that you have your citations taken care of and they're consistently um, providing the information that uh, Google is comparing your Google My Business against. That's right. So it's the same across the board, guys, as I mean, Liel and I can't say it enough and can't emphasize it enough. Consistency is key. Consistency in content, consistency in local search, consistency in your address, right? So consistency is key. And that includes in the best practices, right? So I think that kind of takes us to the next section when it comes to, you know, the date established and, you know, you need to make sure you include very specific and certain things that Nalini mentioned, um, as an example, the primary category. If it's available as a niche, you need to include the primary category as a niche. Again, this will just help you and it doesn't further subdivide your firm. It, it helps further subdivide it for the user, which is what Google cares about. Right, Liel? Yes. And so category, uh, great uh, area to stand out. Of course, um, you want to make sure that every single in every single field that's given out uh, by Google, you you complete it. You write, you add information. Don't leave don't leave blank spaces. Right. And Especially like um, established, right? About yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like really one one very remarkable uh, uh, tip that Nalini is giving us here is that you potentially have. Uh, pictures on your Google My Business listing that were not necessarily taken out of a mobile device and therefore they are not marked down with coordinates. And so Google doesn't necessarily know where the picture comes from. But you can run it through an application and get that tag added to the file. And so Google will uh, now see the photo and your listing overall as more relevant. And it makes all the sense of the world, right? Because a lot of people actually put professional photography on their Google My Business listing. And so professional photography will not necessarily have this information uh, attached uh, natively. So by actually adding it, you're increasing your chances to be to gain more, visibil more visibility, right? Right, right. Okay, well, I guess, Grace, there's one more uh, element that uh, we spent quite a, quite some time talking about because it seems like it has so much potential, and that's Google My Business Posts. I think she gave a really good uh, tip on how to handle it, right? You create four posts for the month at the beginning of evergreen content that is specific for Google My Business so that your best practices state that over time you should always have something slightly different for the different social posts or social media platforms that you're on. Consider Google as a, its own as well and make sure that you're building it out for that target market, right? You know, this is something that you should utilize. But you definitely want to make sure that you are uh, constantly creating new posts, new po new content, right? We've, we went from having very limited uh, amount of characters to almost 750 characters now being allowed. So it has certainly evolved and Google is seeing that businesses are really leveraging this. And so definitely a great opportunity to use. And I think you're right, Grace, when you say like, you know, it doesn't take much of an effort if you just, you know, at the beginning of each month, take some time to really create your post 
think about your post um, for the next uh, coming month. And if you have multiple locations, then tweak those posts also so that they're not actually identical amongst them, but they have a local element that would be relevant to each one of your different office locations. So definitely um, uh, something that needs to be utilized. Grace, another thing that I really like that uh, Nalini mentioned is the the feature that allows you to book appointments, like schedule appointments during the times that your office is either closed, uh, so you're not missing out on people who are maybe exploring your Google My Business listing. Uh, they could actually uh, get themselves aligned for an appointment next day or in the next available uh, time slot that you have, that you're open for business. What do you think? Right. That's right. I mean, you know, the, to me, that's part of the set office hours, right? The scheduling appointments feature and use the free appointment setter are all free tools. Why don't you use them? And I think they're super important to make sure that you do um, use every feature set that is in there. There's, they're there for you and they're there for the user. I agree. Yep. So Grace, I think we've had a great conversation on local SEO and I'm excited for what's coming next, right? So like these conversations have been getting better and better. And I'm really looking forward to next week for uh, us to meet and have another legal marketing conversation here at In Camera Podcast. Thank you very much all for joining. And we're looking forward to uh, talking to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at incamerapodcast.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.